just continuing our way through, uh, written so that you would believe, right? The harmony of the Gospels. And uh, today's account kind of goes into, and actually it was split up into two sections. Originally, we thought we could do two sermons out of this, but I guess once I tackled 47 verses last week, I mean, this is nothing, it's only 14, so. But they're actually two accounts that we feel go hand in hand, and uh, uh, it's going to be a great opportunity for us to see the Lord work on the Sabbath again. And we saw last week Jesus present himself as the one that the Father was working through, right? The Pharisees said, hey, why are you working? What are you, what are you doing on the Sabbath? You're healing somebody on the Sabbath, right? And, and think about that. Think about what was done. Jesus healed an invalid on the Sabbath, and he told the invalid to now take up your mat and walk, right? And, and the Pharisees who were watching, the ones who wanted to honor God with the way they lived, accused Jesus of work on the Sabbath and accused the man who was healed of working on the Sabbath by taking up his mat and carrying it. These who want to honor God do not honor God because they are no, there's no mercy within them. There's no compassion within them. There was no rejoicing over what, what the Lord Jesus had done. There was no rejoicing over the fact that this man who was an invalid for 38 years was now free of that. There should be rejoicing, amen? So we saw, and Jesus responded. He's like, they get, he was asked, why are you working? He says, hey, my father and I are working. We've been working from forever till now, and we're still working. Now, he identified himself and the Father as co-equal, as equal there. And In fact, we saw last week that they said, not only were you working on the Sabbath, and we have to accuse you of that, and you can be stoned for that, we also now are going to accuse you of blasphemy because you, are a mere man, are calling yourself equal with God. They knew what he was saying. They knew that he was the Lord, right? And today he calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath, and, and to the Pharisees who were watching and, and hearing, what they knew is that God was the God over the Sabbath, that God created the Sabbath. And in fact, they were such Sabbath keepers. If you think about it this way, uh, whatever Jesus did in his earthly ministry, there were really only two reasons they crucified him. One, because he thought he was in charge of the Sabbath. And two, he thought, he thought and he said he was God. That's, that's what we see in the Scripture. So for these Pharisees, they are, they are intentional about the Sabbath, man. They, they want those rules. They want those regulations. They want those heavy burdens placed on people's lives so they would come under some kind of authority. Whose authority? Their authority, not God's authority. And they would come under, when they come under the authority of the, of the Pharisees, what they're coming under is heavy burdens. And Jesus accosted them often for putting heavy burdens and heavy loads around people's necks that they could not bear. So Jesus said, hey, I, my, the Father is working. And, and what I said last week was really, really important for us to understand. You know, God set a model for us to Sabbath, to rest. It, it, he's created the heavens and the earth in, in what? Six days, and on the seventh day, what happened? He rested, right? He rested from all the work that he had done. And then when we see uh, the Ten Commandments come forward and Moses presents those, he said, just like God worked and rested, so you too are to work and then to rest. And, and today what we're going to find is that the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. Right? When we think about rest, what do you think about? I, I'm almost embarrassed to say this. This week, actually it was yesterday, for the first time in probably I don't know how many years, I didn't open my eyes from my sleep until after 9 a.m. in the morning. You know what I did when I woke up? I almost cried. I'm like, what am I doing still in bed? But then you know what I did? I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, right? God wants to give us rest, not to lay more burdens upon us. I, I don't know when the next time is. I'll sleep past 9 o'clock. 
and I don't, I don't care. I got that one, and I felt like there was rest. And my children were amazing. They were quiet. They were up. They're doing their thing. They got their own breakfast. It was awesome. It was awesome. But Jesus is the one who's working with the Father. And since that time the God first rested, I said last week, that sin entered the world, and when sin entered the world and death entered the world, guess what the Father and Son have been up to? Work. Not resting. Working. And you know what they've been working to do? Give you and me rest. To give us true Sabbath. This is what the heart of Jesus is. That's what he's doing. That's, that's why he's come. And, and he said, if you would be willing to come to me, are, are you willing to be well? And are you willing to come to me and have rest? And he said to the Pharisees, you aren't willing. You look over the scriptures that all point to me and you're unwilling to come to me and find and have life. Well, today we, we get a little bigger glimpse of this life in Christ that he's offering. The life, life of rest and Sabbath for our souls. We see him today as Lord of the Sabbath. And and we see the heart of the Lord of the Sabbath. I, I know the title of the sermon on your notes today in your bulletin, it's longer. It's the heart of the Lord of the Sabbath. And, and really, if we, if we sum it all up, what is the heart of the Lord of the Sabbath? One word. It's mercy. Mercy. And we, we see it translated so many different ways in Scripture. Hesed, love, right? Faithful love, steadfast love of God towards you. Steadfast love of God towards you me. It is this faithful, enduring love, this mercy, this mercy that leads us into rest, and that's what we'll find today. So we're in Matthew chapter 12. We're looking at verses 1 through 14 together. Let's read the Word of God. At that time, Jesus passed through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick and eat some of the heads of grain. When the Pharisees saw this and said to him, see, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Haven't you read what David did when, when he and those who were with him were hungry? How he entered the house of God, and they ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him or for those who were with him to eat, but only for the priests? Or haven't you read in the law that on Sabbath days the priests in the temple violate the Sabbath and are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means that I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Moving on from there, he entered their synagogue. There he saw a man who, was, who had a shriveled hand, and in order, uh, in order to accuse him, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He replied to them, who among you, if he had a sheep that fell into a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't take hold of it and lift it out. A person is worth far more than sheep. So it is lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath. Then he told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was restored, as good as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might kill this is the Word of God. So today, three points uh, in this text that I, I pulled apart, and we're going to see three points regarding the Lord of the Sabbath, regarding the heart of the Lord of the Sabbath, regarding the mercy of Jesus Christ. Number one is this. Mercy feeds the hungry. Mercy 
feeds the hungry. Now, as we go through this text today, um, the major part of it is you and I seeing what mercy looks like and doing the same. The minor in it is this is what's permitted on the Sabbath. All right, so we're going to see both of those aspects. So number one, mercy feeds the hungry. Let's look at our passage of Scripture again, verses one, uh, starting at verse 1 through 4 here. At that time, Jesus passed through the grain fields on the Sabbath. Now, I think Jesus loved doing things on the Sabbath. I think he was really wanting to, wanting to irk these guys and get them thinking about what they should be thinking about. And, and they loved to catch him doing things on the Sabbath. In fact, they were probably breaking the Sabbath by working so hard to find Jesus breaking the Sabbath. I'm just saying, right? So he was passing through the grain fields. His disciples were hungry and began to pick and eat some of the grain. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, See, your disciples are doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath. So, so they stop there. The, the Pharisees, they, they see and observe Jesus' disciples picking and eating the grain as they pass through. Um, they did not view this as legal. In their own tradition, it violated the traditions of the Sabbath. You're not to be picking grain. You should have done this before sundown yesterday. What in the world are you thinking? So they were offended. They were offended at Jesus. Now, this is what's important you think about. Who was offended? They, the Pharisees, the religious elites, were offended. God wasn't offended. They were. The ones who were in power. The ones who wanted power. The ones who wanted control. The ones who wanted to look the part all the time and be more self-righteous than anyone else. They were offended. Which I would say, who cares? But they were offended. So they didn't say, they didn't quietly get together and say, this offends the Lord. This is offensive. No, they, they were offended. <clears throat> However, it was lawful for them to do this. Deuteronomy 23 tells us what was lawful. When you enter the neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck heads of grain with your hand, but do not use a sickle on your neighbor's grain. You know what was permitted on the Sabbath? Something that wasn't work. You're not getting grain so you would work and then sell it. You're supposed to be resting from that. God said, the Sabbath is for you to rest. Take a break. Take a breather. Oh, you're hungry? The Pharisees would say, oh, you're hungry? Too bad, suck it up. You can eat tomorrow morning or tonight after sunset. That's what they would say. Placing a burden on those who are hungry. But what did Jesus come to do? He came to give us mercy and rest. And if I'm hungry and I have hunger pains all day long and I cannot eat because I cannot take and pluck the green because of some religious tradition of these Pharisees, I am not at rest, am I? In fact, the whole litany of Sabbath tradition and Sabbath rules was not any, had nothing to do with rest on the Sabbath. In fact, if I was a, a good Jew trying to practice the traditions of the Pharisees that have been set up through rabbinical tradition, I would come Friday. I mean, I'm working Friday, right? And you know, what do we say on Friday? Like when we're working our last day of the week, someone says, how are you doing? Oh, today's my, today's my Friday. And what does that mean? It means tomorrow? I don't have to do this anymore. Can you imagine being a Jew on your Friday and be like, man, today's my Friday. What's wrong? Tomorrow's the Sabbath. I got to work so hard at not working. I got to work so hard at not keeping any of the rules that they put out there. I've got to work like double time. I've got to be so, so zeroed in and locked in on all the regulations and requirements, and I just cannot flinch on the Sabbath. You know, you know what a good Jew would say on, on Friday? I can't wait till the first day of the week. I can't wait to get back at it again. Yes, it's my Monday. 
And that day was my, their Sunday, right? That's, that's the burden that the Sabbath created. That's why Jesus later is going to say, uh, the Sabbath was for man, not the man for Sabbath. We're not about putting more burdens on people. He goes on in verse 3, he says, haven't you read? I love how Jesus says this. I think the tone is, is deeply uh, sarcastic to them. He knows they've read. Right? They're, they're as learned as anybody is, right? But he asked them, haven't you read what David did when he and those who were with them were hungry? Haven't you read the story in, you know, in, in the Old Testament of what, what has happened? You have these stories, how he entered the house of God and, and they ate the bread of the presence. I mean, for, they entered the house of God. They should not have been in the temple where they were. Number two, they ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him, but for those or for those to eat uh, that he ate with, but only for the priests. But if you, if you were to go to that text, and you go there later in Samuel, it, the, the priest actually says, no, this is lawful. You are fleeing from an enemy. You are hungry. You are fearful for your life. You are in need. Of course, the Sabbath is not, you're not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for you. There should be mercy out of this and rest of us. Here's the bread. Take it and eat and go. And now the priest did say, as long as you've consecrated yourselves to God and are pure, yes, we have. And they were able to take the bread and go make sandwiches with it and eat. Why? Because mercy feeds the hungry. Mercy feeds the hungry. Haven't you read? Mercy feeds the hungry. Oh, I did put that text in there, 1 Samuel 21. See, Christ knows that, that we are all desperate. Christ knows that, that none of us is good enough, that we can't do it on our own, that nothing we do will, will release the burden of our sin or our guilt or our shame. But you know what else Christ knows? Is that He can do that. He can release the burden of sin and guilt and shame. So our, our real hunger not, is not like David was for bread. Oftentimes it is. Someone might be in need and hungry. But our real hunger is not for bread. It's for a righteousness that we can never attain on our own. It's, it's for real, lasting rest for our souls. Amen? That's what we hunger for. And that's what Jesus comes to offer. Not more rules and regulations, not more burdens to weigh you down. But he says, oh, I want to come to give you rest. In the Beatitudes, in Matthew 5, Jesus says this in verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You see what he says? Blessed are those. Blessed are you if you hunger and thirst. He didn't say, oh, pity, pity for you, especially on the Sabbath day. If you're hungry, you're not going to get anything. He says, I look at you who are hungry and thirsty and feel empty and desperate. I look at you and, and I say, you're blessed. Why? Because when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, he says, you will be filled that's my Jesus. That's the Jesus of Scripture. That's what Jesus does. He says, I, I'm going to fill you to overflowing with my righteousness if you would believe in me. Our real hunger is for righteousness. It's for rest for our souls. So this is what Jesus, the, the Lord of the harvest, is doing. I want to go back to Matthew 11. So we, we were in Matthew 12, right? And, and this, this kind of whole thread is all together. And I, I saw this. I'm like, wow, amazing. He's, he's talking about the Sabbath. He's showing himself on the Sabbath. He's, he's confronting the Pharisees on the Sabbath in, in chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. 
But just before chapter 12, before we ever had chapters and verses and titles and, and texts, we had the last account of what was in chapter 11. Just before his disciples are going and picking the grain, just before he's breaking the Sabbath in their eyes, what does he say in Matthew eleven twenty seven? 27? He says, listen, all things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. A couple big things going on in that passage, that little verse. One is Jesus, again, claiming equality with God. Like he, he, The Father and I are the same. Like No one can know the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. So if you want to know, you've got to come through me. Right? That's, that's a pretty big claim. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And, and then he goes on and says, no, no one um, and anyone who, whom the Son desires to reveal him. So, so Jesus is like, I want to reveal the, the Father through me because I and the Father are one. I want to reveal the Father to, to those around me. And then who does he desire? This is interesting, that, that idea of to whom he desires. I think it connects to the next verse. And if you, if you wanted to, it would be a writer in your, in your passage, you would circle uh, to whom the, to the Son desires to reveal. And then you connect that down to verse 28, and it says, this is what he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Who does Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, want to reveal the Father to? All who are weary and heavy laden. All who would come to him weary and heavy laden. It's no wonder the Pharisees didn't get him, didn't see him. They didn't want to come to him weary and heavy laden. They thought their burden was carried on their own, and they were self-righteous in themselves. And Jesus constantly said, they're righteous, they're righteous, but he's really calling them self-righteous. They had no righteousness that they could, or standing where they could stand justified before God the Father. But, but God is willing to show the Father and reveal the Father in his great mercy to all who are hungry, to all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know what Jesus is saying? He's like, you can finally come to me and say, man, it's my Friday. I've got a Sabbath coming up. Because Jesus is going to give me rest. You see, mercy feeds the hungry. Jesus is wanting to feed us the hungry, the weary, the heavy burden with his righteousness, with his rest. And for you, that's the major part, right? The minor part is Sabbath work. When we're talking about the Sabbath, if there's someone that's hungry, it's okay to feed them. It's okay to talk about Christ. It's okay to give someone a sandwich on the Sabbath. It, it, it's, I think it's pharisaical and legalistic to say, oh, no, 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 I can't work. I'm not going to lift my finger on the, the Sabbath. Let's look at number two. The heart of the Lord of the Sabbath is really the mercy of the Lord, right? And, and number two is this. The mercy overflows in worship. Mercy overflows in worship. We're continuing on in our text of chapter 12, verses 5 through 8. Haven't you read, again, they, they say it again, right? Or Jesus does. Have, or haven't you read, you should know this, haven't you read in the law that the Sabbath days, on Sabbath days, the priests uh, in the temple violate the Sabbath and they are innocent. Well, what, what do they do? I, people you know, think about me, like, Brandon, what, do, you have, do you get a day off? It's not Sunday, right? It's like, I, I, I'm working today. Doesn't that dishonor God? Well, I hope not because I love doing what I'm doing and preaching the word of God today. 
right? So, so it, the priests, they entered, this, entered the temple on the Sabbath, and they would, what were they doing, though? What, what was their job? To prepare for the worship of God and for, for our sacrifices to God and our offerings to God. It was to prepare the place for the people's hearts to come and overflow to worship their God. Of course that's permitted, right? Because mercy, real mercy, should overflow into worship. He says, it's, it's, it's lawful for them to be working in the temple on the Sabbath. They are innocent when they do that. And he goes on, he says, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Something greater than the temple is here. He goes on, he says, if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So let's talk about that. Something greater than the temple is here. There's a lot of theology here, a lot of commentaries you can go look up and kind of see what this it means in a big way. But in a couple of little things, a couple of notes I want to make on this, something is greater, something greater is here. I, I think, you know, he's talking to Pharisees. He's talking to people who are religious elites. He's talking to people who are stuck in their ways and wanting to, to, to check off the list of things to do and, be, and appear even self-righteous before people. And he says here, you know what's greater? And when we talk about the idea of, of, of mercy overflowing to worship, he says, he says this, uh, something is greater here. In fact, the one, the object of your worship, God himself, is here. I am here. I should be worshipped. I should be cherished. I should be delighted in. You should, he should be our joy as he's there present. Well, they, they want nothing to do with Jesus. No, we can't, you're, you're making it hard for us to worship. No, you're making it hard to worship. You're unwilling to worship. You're leading people away from something greater than the temple. That is Jesus Christ himself. The second thing is, I think it ties in. Uh, if I tell you something greater than the temple is here. It ties into verse 7. If you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What was greater? He's talking to religious people who want to sacrifice and do, do, do. What was greater than that? The mercy of God. Something greater is here. Something greater is in view. And you're missing the point. Something greater is here. I love how he said this. So he says, um, if you had known what this means... I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Understand this. This is chapter 12. Earlier in chapter 9, in fact, Alistair preached on this one, when um, Jesus called Levi, Matthew, to be a follower of him. And, and remember, Matthew had a big party after that. And, and who was there? Jesus and all, all Matthew's tax collectors and sinners, right? The sinful people were sitting around this party. And of course, the Pharisees, they did not like that at all. Like, what, what are you doing? What are you even thinking about? When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your, your, your uh, teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when he had heard this, so Jesus overheard this, he said this, it's not those who are well who need a doctor. Oh, isn't that merciful? Isn't that awesome that someone cares for the, the broken, the downtrodden, the, the hurt? Yeah, it's not, it's not uh, the, the well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. And then he, he says this to them. He says this to the Pharisees back in chapter 9. So before our account today, he says this. I want you to do something. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Go and learn. Now, that's an awesome charge from Jesus. And, and I think an awesome means of grace, to even, even to the Pharisees. He's like, okay, I, you probably don't get this, so go and learn this. You should know this. Go and learn this. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And, and so then we fast forward to our passage today, 
And there again, Adam, like, what are you doing? I don't, I don't, why are you doing this? Why are you healing on the Sabbath? I can't believe, would you even heal? Why are you picking grain? You're breaking the Sabbath. You're breaking the rules, Jesus. They're being, they're being merciless towards him, right? And that's why he says, he's like, I, I told them to go and learn. What does it mean? I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And so then he says, what does he say? I, I wish you would have, if you would only known what this had, me had meant. Did they get the point? No, they didn't get the point. What's the point? Mercy is the point. Not sacrifice, mercy. He's the sacrifice. And he's the one that can give us rest. And out of that rest, because of his sacrifice, we get his mercy, and we then overflow with worship towards him. Why? Well, in Mark's account, it, I think it goes a little deeper here. And I've said this several times already today. Mark 2, of this account of in the grain, he told them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Pharisees wanted to be that, man, I'm going I'm to make the Sabbath. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm a man, I'm going to make the Sabbath the Sabbath. That's why it sounds like hard work. That's why everyone's so heavy burdened. Because God gave us the Sabbath and not gave us the responsibility to, to make the Sabbath, but to rest in the Sabbath. To actually Sabbath, which means rest, right, on the Sabbath. The institution of the Sabbath was in and of itself an act of mercy for both man and for beasts, right? You give, you give the, the cattle a break. You give your animals a break when you're off. It was there to give needed rest each week. And, and here's the truth of this. If any, any religious regulation, any tradition that was contrary to mercy and care and nurture and rest should be looked on with deep suspicion. Like, wait, that doesn't sound like Sabbath. That doesn't sound like rest. That sounds like burden. Jesus in his mercy came to relieve that burden. He gives rest, so that's what I'm going to go to is rest. Rest. Rest was to relieve burdens, not create more. God wants mercy not sacrifice. God is a God of love and not legalism. So we can say this, like the psalmist did in Psalm 68. Praise the Lord. Day after day, he bears our burdens. God is our salvation. You see, mercy overflows into worship. Real mercy, real experienced mercy is rest from Jesus. and It will overflow in worship. The Sabbath was created for the needs of humanity, the need for rest, and only in that rest, and really truly experienced and given through the Father, can we accurately worship out of a thankful heart. So true rest should produce heartfelt worship towards the one who gave us rest. Now, this is why Jesus is so angry. This is why God is so mad at all these regulations and rules and, and burdens that people create. And actually, he, yeah, he wanted, yeah, I want, he, here's the system I set up. But it's to be done in faith. And if you look at Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, we see Old Testament person after Old Testament person doing what they did in faith, and that faith was then credited to them as righteousness. But the system had gone astray. Listen to, listen to the rant of God in Isaiah 1. What are all your sacrifices to me, asks the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings and rams and the fat of well-fed cattle. 
I have no desire for the blood of bulls, lambs, or male goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires this from you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing useless offerings. Your your incense is detestable to me. New moons and Sabbaths and the calling of solemn assemblies. I cannot stand iniquity with, with a festival. I hate your new moons and prescribed festivals. They have become a burden to me. I am tired of putting up with them. And when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will refuse to look at you. Even if you offer countless prayers, I will not listen. Why? Your hands are covered with blood. And and that statement, we'll go on in a minute, that statement, your hands are covered in blood, shows us that their motives were impure. Their motives were wrong when they came before God or in the house of God to make their offering to God. They could care less of what God thought or to honor God. They wanted to look a certain way and and be found self-righteous in their own. So he says, here's what you're to do. This is the, the, the requirement. Wash your hands. Cleanse yourselves. Remove your evil deeds from my sight. Stop doing evil. Stop doing evil. Learn. Learn to do what is good. Didn't Jesus say that? Learn. learn. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Right. Learn to do what is good. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. The oppressor. They were the oppressor. Right. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Now you can go on your own and read more and more and on and on with that. It's amazing. But this goes into Hosea. And actually, Hosea 6 is what Jesus is quoting when he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And all the times he says that to the Pharisees. Here's what it says. He says uh, Hosea 6, 4 through 6. He says, what, what am I going to do with you, Ephraim? What am I going to do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist and like the early dew. How so, God? It vanishes. Your love vanishes. There's no real heart motive behind what you're doing. There's no real deep love there. This is why I used the prophets to cut them down. I have killed them with the words of my mouth. Now think about this. This is Old Testament, Hosea, prophet saying, shape up. And, and now we fast forward to the New Testament. We fast forward to, to, to Jesus being in the midst of the Pharisees. And when Jesus' words, God's words go forth through Jesus, because he's God, what is it doing to the Pharisees? It's cutting them down. It's, it's like you're killing me with the words from your mouth, Jesus. Stop saying those things. He says, my judgment strikes like lightning. This is what the Pharisees were experiencing. This harshness from Jesus, which was really mercy, a means of grace. Well, they found it harsh, and, and this is why the Pharisees hated his words, because they struck like lightning. They, they struck a nerve in them. They hated him for it. But he, he goes on in Hosea. He says, that this is obviously striking a chord. He says, I desire faithful love, or, or hesed, right? Mercy. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. There's a relationship that God wants with us. Not a religion. There's a relationship he wants with us. And when we have that relationship with God and that we have the hope and that mercy and that rest that come from God, we won't be able to help but overflow with more mercy and overflow with more grace and overflow with more worship to our Creator. But if we are stuck in a place that I'm going to bring my offering, if, and if anyone says it's, it needs to be more merciful or not as rigid, I, I'm not going to like it. Well, then you're, you're not of God. And he says, repent and cleanse your hands and, and desire faithful love and not sacrifice. 
And, and really what it says is, you don't know God. And I don't know God if that's the way that we behave. God wants us to rest in Him and then respond in relational worship of Him. Right? Mercy. Mercy feeds the hungry. Mercy overflows with worship. Number three, finally, mercy is merciful. Mercy is merciful. I had trouble with that point, right? It's kind of like redundant. Mercy is merciful. Of course it is. Is it, is it so simple for us to get that? That mercy is merciful? Let's look at what Jesus does now. So look at verses 9 through 14 in our passage today. He, he demonstrates this. Now, it, it's, some of your things would say, uh, moving on from there, he entered the synagogue. Like, do we know, was it the same day? I, I kind of lean towards it the same day. It was like they were watching Jesus early in the morning, seeing what they were doing. They knew they had to be at synagogue, but they're watching and, okay, oh, oh, we caught him. We caught him on the Sabbath doing something he shouldn't be doing. And then they confronted him, right? And then maybe not, maybe it was the week before. But if it was the same day, then, then they head over to the synagogue, right? It says, it goes on, moving on from there, he entered their synagogue. There he saw a man who had a shriveled hand, and in order to accuse him, they asked him. So this isn't a story of Jesus seeing a man and having compassion and just going and healing. He, he saw the man, and then they saw the man, and then they asked him, what'd they say? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? couple interesting things here. One, they know he can heal. They've seen it. They still don't want him to be accepted as Messiah. Oh no, you're not God, but you can heal. Okay, that's interesting, right? Um, he can heal. And, and they ask a, a silly question because it really traps them. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Look how Jesus responds. He replied to them, who among you, he, he, how does he answer a question? With a question. Who among you, if, if he had sheep, a sheep that fell into a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't take hold of it and lift it out? Now, a couple things going on. You're lifting, doing work. That's not okay. And you're, you're tending to something on the Sabbath. It's like, no, you need to, when you talk about medical need of people, human beings, unless it was life-threatening, you could not help someone on the Sabbath. Like, sorry you got that laceration, put lots of pressure on it. I'll see you at sunset right? Oh, you're bleeding out? Okay, now we can do something about it. Like, right? That's, that was their tradition. So now he talks about a sheep, because certainly their rules didn't apply to their sheep, only to humanity. The heavy burdens were placed on humanity. Who would not lift it out? A person is worth far more than a sheep, so it is lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath. What do they say? Nothing. Because if they said, well, no, it's not, well, they're wrong. They know it's to be true. That it was part of their tradition. And if they said, yes, it's, it is permitted, well, then they're wrong. And Jesus can do whatever he wants, and they need to go on their way. So they just said nothing. Jesus confronting them, they said nothing. There was silence. And then, what did Jesus do? Mercy is what? It's merciful. Jesus told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was restored as good as the other. Man, look at that mercy of God. God sees someone who needs compassion, who needs grace, who needs healing, and, he, and his heart goes out to this person so this person can experience restoration and rest. And he heals him. 
And what should happen now? A celebration. Praise God, because mercy overflows with worship. How do we know that they're not merciful? How do we know that they're not of God? Look what they did next. Verse 14, the Pharisees went out and plotted against them how they might kill him. I, I mean, I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be aligned with the Pharisees. I don't want anything to do with that. Because they have no mercy. Now God says, I, whoever's willing to come to me, you'll find rest, but they are unwilling. So there's no mercy from God towards them. The mercy of God is, is that Jesus is a means of grace to people as he's in their presence. The mercy of God is that Jesus says, go and learn what it means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. But they are unwilling. And there is no mercy in them because of their heart. Their heart is not full, full of mercy. Their heart is full instead of murder. They want to kill Jesus. And ultimately, they were successful. But it wasn't them that killed Jesus, right? We know that Jesus laid his own life down for us. Not for sin he had committed. Not because he broke the Sabbath. Not because he blasphemed God by saying that he was God. He was the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is God in the flesh. And when he died, he died for you. And he died for me. He died for our sin in our place where we deserve to die. And then he rose victoriously because he is God. And he is the God who is Lord of the Sabbath. And through his death and through his blood and through his resurrection, he comes to give us rest. He comes to give us life. Why? Because mercy is merciful. Do you deserve that rest? Not at all. Do I deserve that rest? Not at all. But he wants to give us that rest. He wants to give us his mercy. I love in Matthew 5, again in the Beatitudes, where we see this, this um, progression of salvation and, and hungering and thirsting for righteousness and, and being filled. And then out of that, there's this response. It said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And, and I would say it's like a cyclical thing. It's like chicken and egg. Which one came first? Mercy begets mercy, begets mercy, begets mercy. God showed mercy. We responded to God's mercy. Now we can be merciful. And as we're merciful, he shows us more mercy. And he shows others mercy too. But here's the question. Are you merciful? Do you worship? Do you feed the hungry with the mercy of God? Have you fed on the mercy of God? of God. Do you have rest? Do you have this Sabbath that he asks or wants to give us? The author of Hebrews has a great, a great charge for you today, for, for I, for me and you. Today, he says, if you hear his voice, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Do not harden your hearts. Do not say, I, whoa, he, he spoke. I don't want a relationship with him. I am going to push him away. I am going to go think murderous thoughts of Jesus now. No, today, if you hear his voice, today, do not harden your hearts. For who heard and rebelled? He goes on and says, what happened to the rebellious? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses, with whom God was angry at for 40 years? Wasn't it those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? This, this is good for us to know the answer to this. Who will not enter his rest? The rebellious, right? Those who disobeyed. So we see that they were able to enter 
or they were unable to enter because of unbelief. We're rebellious. I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to trust. I'm not going to put my hope and my faith in this Jesus. Then you will not enter his rest. But today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, but willingly come to him and say, I want that rest. I want that mercy. I want that grace. I want rest for my soul. It's only found in you. I'm going to, as Matt read the opening passage, quit my fighting, stop fighting and struggling, and know that he is God. We're unable to find rest because of unbelief. So we should respond to the mercy of God with deep belief, faith. And when we do, we are forever changed. Uh, That's shown in Titus chapter 3. When the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared. That sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds like mercy. It sounds like grace. It sounds like love. When, when his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, like the Pharisees. He's not saving us by our works, by how good we are, but according to his mercy. To his mercy. Through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. God wants to do a work in you. God wants to do a work in me. And it's through his Holy Spirit shown through his word, and it is mercy upon mercy upon mercy if we are willing to have it. Again, Jesus said in Luke 6, same account, another, another account, Luke's account of this, he told them the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. That's such a merciful statement. Jesus says, I, I've given you something. I've, I, I want you to know and to have Rest. The Sabbath was made for you to know and have rest. So the mercy of the Sabbath is merciful to you and to me. And the mercy of the Sabbath should be merciful through you and through me. You know, the Pharisees did. They actually made the Sabbath small by robbing it of its rest and weighing it down with overwhelming religious requirements. I hope you're not, you're not doing that. I hope you're not doing that in your personal life. I hope that not, you're not doing that in your, maybe your familial life, your, your family. You're putting on heavy burdens and heavy loads there instead of mercy. I hope you're not doing that with your relationships, with your coworkers, or in your schools, wherever you are. I hope you're not doing that. Just adding on, piling on more religious regulation. Don't rob the Sabbath. Don't make it small by overwhelming with burden. Mercy is completely wrapped up at the heart of real Sabbath rest. Mercy, it feeds the hungry. Mercy overflows in worship. Mercy is merciful. In trying to obey and follow the rules of the law, we will miss the heart of the law. And if we miss the heart of the law, we will miss the heart of the one who gave us the law and who gave us the Sabbath. And his heart is to take away our heavy burdens, to give us rest and to give us life. How can he do that? He's the Lord of the Sabbath. And and, and these things are written so that you would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you and I would have life in his. Amen? Amen? Would you stand with me as we continue to
to worship the Lord through prayer and, and song now. Father, we, we are thankful for your love for us. We're thankful for your deep mercy for us. Lord, we, even as we look at this text today, we see these Pharisees, and they are the bad guys. They're the villains in this text. God, I, I know that my heart can be pharisaical. My heart can, can lean towards self-righteousness and, and legalism and, and putting on heavy burdens, whether it be on myself or others. God, I, I confess that, and God, I, I want it to not be that way. God, I want to, to have your mercy and more of your mercy, and God, as you are merciful to me, that I would be merciful to others, and God, I would see those who are hungry in their soul and hungry in their gut, and I would feed the hungry because your mercy feeds the hungry. God, and that as you are merciful to me and you give rest to me and that I, I can take a deep breath of joy and rest for my soul, that that will, will create a response of worship, an overflow of worship to you that is genuine and from the heart. And God, knowing that, that your mercy should make me merciful. If you are merciful to me, as Paul says, the worst of all sinners, we ought to be merciful to those around us. May our default be like, like Jesus's. He is gentle and lowly in heart. He is merciful. He wants to give rest and life. May we have hearts like that and attitudes like that as well. We thank you. We give you the praise and we ask you all of this in Jesus' name.